Um, hey, we're blessed today that our staff is growing and expanding. And Pastor Paul is going to come and, and share the word with us today. So Pastor Paul, come. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. It's good to be with you. And I just want to say thank you for all the kindness that Christine and our family have experienced in the months that we've been getting to know you. And uh, I'm sure that we have mispronounced or uh, called your name wrong along the way. We're doing our best to connect with names. But just want to say thank you for the sense of family that we felt right away. And uh, I really do believe a church is meant to be a family. It's meant to be something special where you can go and feel like you're welcomed and feel like it is a special place for you. How many of you could use kind of a deep sigh this morning? You know what I'm talking about? Thank you very much. Kind of the... I think there have been experiences in my life where those moments come when maybe you've been feeling the struggles of life. Maybe you're just feeling the struggles of the holidays. I hope this morning that you get a little bit of that, a sense of God's presence in your life, his strength in the midst of what you're going through, even just in, in the busyness of our life. So may God give you that sigh today. Uh, today we're going to be talking about this kind of process that happens in our lives that often we call sanctification. And it's a broad term that is very simply meant that we're becoming better. We're becoming more like Jesus. We've walked into this process of connection with God through belief. And, and the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, both talk about how faith brings us into relationship with God. And many of us come because of that faith to God. And then we realize there's this next step in our journey with God, and that's a love for Jesus. And some of us kind of just stay in that faith component and never get to that love component. And that love component is really important, Scripture tells us. I, I know that there are times that I feel like I really do love God, and there's times when I want to love God. And there may even be times in my life where I want to want to love God, right? But anyway, we look at it, that's kind of the next step we go into relationship with God and then there is the sanctifying process, becoming better. And part of that happens right away upon belief, where there's a transformation that happens inside of us instantaneously. And some of us experience that, where there's a change that happens in our character, even in our habits, our lifestyle, what we think about it, just in relationship with God. And then there's other parts of ourselves where we say, God, why am I not changing? Why, why isn't that change happening inside of me? that I desire, and I truly believe that that process of that sanctifying power happens best in this kind of environment, right? And let me just say that that sanctifying process in this environment happens because this is a safe place. The more we spend time with each other, the more we're going to see the struggles that each of us are having. The more we see the struggles in our faith and our walk and even some of those habits in our lives. But this is the place where we can love each other and guide each other through that process. Today I'm going to read two passages, first from Colossians chapter 3, that talks to us about a specific area in which I think we all deal with. And it's this area of, of a grievance or an offense that we'll have against another person, where somebody's hurt us, 
Uh, you guys know. I was going to say, how many of you have been hurt before? But then it just, it just defines who's listening and who isn't. Because we've all been hurt before. And we all know that feeling. But what do we do with it? Especially when it's somebody who, who we care for. Especially when it's somebody who is close to us. So let's read Colossians 3, starting with verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We'd stop right there and we can see, we know people like that. We strive to be a person like this, right? And then verse 13 tells about how when we interact with each other, not everything is perfect. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now let's jump to the great command that we see in John thirteen thirty five. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let's pray. Lord, these passages, things maybe we've heard before and have glossed over, but Lord God, are integral for who we are. They define us as the church. Help us to reflect them, Lord. Help us to live them in Jesus' name. Our, our time living in the United States in difference to living 15 years in Kiev, Ukraine, this contrasts all the time. And the first one that just glares to us all the time is the driving culture. Driving culture in Ukraine is very different, very aggressive. I define it as being you can't drive defensively like we're taught in high school, right? Defensive driving skills. You have to drive offensively in Ukraine, right? You have to be the aggressor. And when everybody's the aggressor, everybody's happy right? We all know that we're all aggressively driving, and you can kind of can predict a person's mind. But I have to tell you, I have a hard time predicting the drivers in this area. I really do. I, I, just, I, I just don't know what they're thinking and the expectations. In Ukraine, I always knew you're going to be aggressive, you're going to be mean, and you just live with it. But I was, I was going through a residential area recently, and uh, it was a stoplight, and I had stopped in the middle to take a left-hand turn. I had a blinking left arrow. We don't have those in Ukraine either. A blinking left arrow, and I was getting ready to turn, and the, the light turned red, so I need to clear the intersection. And so I put my foot on the gas, and as I'm doing so, a lady just buzzes right through the red light. You know what I'm talking about? Like I slammed on the brake and instinctively slammed on the horn, and in a matter of three seconds, this woman had, had screamed out her, her window and expressed to her with her hand with how she felt about me. In three seconds, she went to just a solemn, quiet driver to an aggressor. Uh, how many of you have been there? How many of you have done it? Right? I, I don't know what happened in her life in that moment when she was just driving along to... Ah! I was like, whoa. And then immediately I was like, let's go, lady. What, is I, what was I really going to do, right? Am I going to turn around and drive after her? No. Yelled back or 
give a symbol back. I don't know. I don't know about you, but it's, it's very easy to pick up an offense. Some of us, just because of our personality types, it's a little easier than others. Because some of us are doing the offending, and some of us are receiving, and sometimes we pass that back and forth, right? Some of you are sitting here today, and you think, I, I never get offended by other people. Well, it could be that you're the one... <laughs> We all struggle in this. I, I think this is another sermon altogether, but I have a hard time with John 13.35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. I have a hard time with that scripture. I think we all should. Because I don't know about you, because I know people who have no belief in Jesus whatsoever but are some of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. And some people who are passionately in love with Jesus, some of them are the meanest people I've ever met in my life. So what is the distinction here? And, and I really do believe it is how we deal with each other in grace. It's, it's how we interact with each other different than the rest of the world where we're able to see the offenses, we're able to experience the offenses, and we're able to forgive. And we're able to continue in deep relationship. By the love that we have for each other, the world's going to look at us and say, they are drastically different than the rest of us. I don't know if that always happens. I don't know if it's always there. It should be such a great contrast that the world goes, wow. Right? It's that grace, that free and unmerited favor. But we can easily become offended by something someone else has done, something someone else has said. And this offense can create a separation. Very much like sin separates us in relationship with God, all mankind, offenses have a way of separating us in relationships. It could be that you're sitting on this side of the room right now because there's somebody who's sitting on this side of the room right now. I don't know. I'm just maybe guessing. But we need to realize that that offense is something real and it does damage. It's a grievance is what we call it here in Colossians. An offense is a resentment brought out by perceived or real insult or disregard for another person. We've all been offended. We've all been hurt. What do we do with it? Let's define it a little better. In Luke 17, verse 1, in the New American Standard, we hear this phraseology that's been used in the church, and it's even used in the world today, about this idea of a stumbling block, something that we would do that would hurt the walk, the spiritual walk of another person. Jesus said to his disciples, It is inevitable that stumbling blocks will come. But woe to him through whom they come. In other words, there's things that we can do in just our normal lives that will so hurt another person that it hurts their walk with the Lord. And Jesus is saying, whoa, be careful. It's really bad for you if that's you. Right? There's a problem when we just hurt other people. This idea of stumbling block in the Greek is actually this word scandalon. And it's obvious where we get the word scandal from. 
that thing that we will do some, in some way that would hurt another person. And if that person picks that offense up, that grievance, that pain up, it can cause separation in relationship with each other and separation in relationship with God. It's funny that actually that Greek word scandalon is actually the trigger for uh, like a trap for an animal. It's like a little piece of wood that they use for the noose. So when an animal comes along and it just hits that little piece of wood, the noose grabs them and, and gets them in control and kills them ultimately. So that grievance, that offense, that thing that somebody has said or done to us, the thing that we've seen can be such that it triggers us and captivates us and controls us. It's a trigger to a trap. Oh, that we would be able to step over that trigger, right? To avoid the offense, to avoid the pain that would come from that. When we offend or are offended, the offense hinders our ability really to do what God has called us to do. Why is this an important sermon? I think it's important. We're ending a year here. We're ending a really significant year. Last night, my daughter said, wow, that was a, that was a very challenging 2020. I'm like, whoa, it's a very challenging 2021, honey. These last two years, I don't know what it's been, but they just kind of meld together, right? Some of us have been so carrying an offense and a pain for so long I think it's a great time to leave that in 2021, right? And I'm just not going to carry it anymore. Let's look at the result of an offense. First of all, we withdraw from relationship. An offense often separates us from people that are important in our lives. When someone has hurt us, we ignore them. Here's a great test, right? You're at Piggly Wiggly right up the street. Up the st- up the street here. By the way, I love the Piggly Wiggly. Just, it's great. Went to Piggly Wiggly the other day. Let's say you're in the cart. You got a cart. You're all by yourself. You're going aisle by aisle, right? I'm not the aisle by aisle person. That's my wife. I'm a hunter. She's a gatherer, right? She's got to go down every aisle. I just got to get what we need and get out of there, right? You're going down the aisle and you see that person at the end of the aisle about to turn down your aisle. What do you do? Oh, let's pick the next aisle. Anybody? Right? Maybe it's somebody you haven't seen in a long time. That's the test, right? The test is that no matter who's coming down the aisle this way, I can go down that aisle, I can see them eye to eye, and I can express love and care. Good to see you. It's been a long time. But I think we all have those people we say, you know what? I'll probably go to the meat section for a little while. I'll I'll just go hide out over there. We're offended maybe by a family member, so we don't go to their house. We don't go there for holidays. We don't answer the phones. We unfollow them on our social media. An offense separates relationships. An offense can, can stop us from doing good Because we feel justified in not helping and not caring and not being practical. They've hurt me, so I'm not going to express care for them back, even in practical ways, even though James 4.17 tells 
tells us if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin. I say, I'd rather not just even deal with them. And here's the other thing about an offense. And this is the most destructive characteristic of the pain we experience in relationship is that it's contagious. I mean, it's worse than COVID. Because here's the thing. Let's say that one person says something to me in such a way that I get hurt. And it's even something that they shouldn't have said, they shouldn't have done, and it's hurt me. I'm offended, I'm hurt, and I go to Pastor Mark, and I tell Pastor Mark, do you believe what so-and-so said to me? And you know what they did, right? And, And Mark hears that, oh man, I can't believe that. Why would they say that? Why would they do that? I've now passed the offense on to Mark. But what happens, that person who's hurt me, who's offended me, the next Sunday comes to me and reconciles. Man, I'm so sorry. You know, I was, I was having a bad day. There's no excuses. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have said it. I say, I forgive you. We reconcile. We're, our relationship is good. But Mark has no opportunity to deal with that. He wasn't part of the offense. He wasn't part of the conflict. He just knows about it, and he's picked it up, and now that person and Mark have a problem that neither of them know how to reconcile because it really didn't deal with him. What happens if Mark tells Christine, and Christine tells Ripley, and now that person who did the offense, who dealt with it right in the environment where it's really good to deal with it, gossip has now taken away the ability for it to be healthy. The offense has created some destruction. The Bible tells us a lot about gossip. tells us a lot about how we deal with each other and what we say about each other. And even so much as saying really harsh words about the tongue, how destructive it is. At the heart of gossip, what it really is, is a desire for a person to belong. Think about it. I had information about another person who had offended me. And my desire to connect with Mark and to have a good conversation with Mark was to tell him something that he doesn't know. And something that's kind of interesting and tantalizing, right? And so it brings me into a relationship with Mark that I know something he doesn't know, and so it's an interesting conversation. Well, what happens if we do that to many people? It allows us to come into relationship with other people. I'm now in connection with you because I'm an insider of information. The struggle of a a person who gossips is foundationally, they don't feel connected with others, and that information allows them to have connection. It allows them to draw into relationship, albeit a destructive one. This is a place where we don't need that. Really? We we don't have to hurt each other. We don't have to talk about each other. This can be a place where you're all insiders. You don't have to prove to me that you know about somebody else. You don't have to prove to me that you have great knowledge or relationship. 
We'll love each other just for who we are. We can talk about the Packers. So what do we do when we're offended? Well, a proper response first is a conversation. Really just having a good conversation with another person. What do we do when we're offended? Talk it out. We do need to be careful that we're not too sensitive. Right? Some of us, we can take it. I, I tell people all the time with Christine and I, you have to work hard to offend us. We've, you know, we've been doing this for a long time as church ministry. you got to work hard. Some of you take up the task today, right? We're going to try to offend Paul and Christine. And others, individuals, maybe we have a little bit of a softer personality and it's a little bit easier to read into things and to pick things up. But I really challenge you in this environment, don't be too sensitive, right? Realize that all of us are flawed. Consider the source. Consider the fact that there are individuals in our environment, whether it's our home, it's extended family, our workplace, or here in the safe place of the church. There are some people among us that have a little rougher personality, who have no filter in how they feel, right? We'll just say it. And that's part of the sanctifying process that's going on in their lives. They need to realize the importance of that filter, realize the importance of seeing things in love. And, and finally, before I move on, expect the best of others. It's easy for us to be offended and then just paint the entire picture of another person and say, they're completely like this. Expect better. See, see people through that lens. Scripture does challenge us to have that tough talk. Verse 3, this is right after he challenged about the stumbling block. Watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. In other words, have the conversation. Hey, this has happened. And if they repent, forgive them. And if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must, well, that's a tough word. That's a four-letter word, right? You must forgive them. I have a problem with that one, too. I mean, if the person's doing it seven times in a day and they keep coming back, I'm, I'm questioning their, their really uh, openness about asking for forgiveness, right? But Scripture says it doesn't matter, right? We still must forgive. So we need to have a proper response when we're being offended, but we also need to have a proper response if someone has been offended by you. Maybe this has only happened to me, but I've offended a lot of people. Anybody who spends enough time standing up here, Pastor Mark can attest to this, Proverbs tells you that where there are many words, sin is present. In other words, if you talk too much, something bad's going to leak out. Right? And as pastors who are up here and they talk, 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 how many of you know once in a while something slips out that kind of shouldn't in us? Right? Well, that's in all of our lives. And some of us, it doesn't take a lot of words for it to happen. If someone comes to you and they've been offended, if they've been hurt, whether it's something that you can identify by, yes, that's happened or not, listen. Listen for truth. Often, 
I don't know about you, but I've been surprised when somebody says, you've hurt me. How many of you have been surprised before? Right? Where someone's come to you and says, you've hurt me, you did this, you did that. What, really? But listen. Reflect on subtle motives. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sometimes our words, it's not what we said, it's how we said it. It's a body language by how we said it. And just by that, an offense can be picked up, a pain can be picked up. It can be added on. It can become something very big. But finally, be willing to, to repent and take ownership. I really do believe that unity is more important than being right. Sometimes we just need to say, you know, I, I didn't even know I, I said that. I didn't even know that I was doing that. And maybe there's something in my heart that slipped out, but I'm sorry. Own it. Even if you don't know if you own it, own it. Uh, a few years ago, a girl came up to me after service. And uh, she'd been apart, never misses a Sunday, never misses a week, right? She's faithful, faithful girl, quiet. Uh, she's from Nigeria, serves in the church. She said, Pastor, can I talk with you? I'd love to. Yeah, we sat down back of the room. People were milling around drinking coffee. And we sat down. She said, Pastor, I... I've been praying about this for a long time. I need to say it. But two years ago, you said this on a Sunday morning, and I've been hurt. And I've, every single time I see you, I'm angry and I'm in pain. And I said, what did I say? And she repeated, I, I didn't even remember saying it. I, and I didn't say that. I didn't say, I never said that. Or I just said, I'm sorry. For two years... And my response to her at that point is, realize, I really too repent if, if that came out of my heart or my mouth in any way, I was wrong. But what a waste of time. What a waste of time. Two years of separation in relationship, two years of ineffective ministry together, two years of brokenness every time she saw me, I was ambivalent to it all. I had no idea, and yet there was a schism that had come right down the middle of the church. She had told numerous other people of what I had said. And then it was months of cleanup. Oh, that the day that that happened, she just come to me and said, Pastor, did you say, and what did you mean? And we could have sat down, we could have talked together, prayed together, and walked away and Gone, gone together in power after that. But how easy it is to just pick up that offense and just hold on to it. Some of us have held an offense for so long, it's become part of our personality. The pain that that other person has given us is part of our identity. And Scripture is telling us very, very strongly here. No, you need to forgive. What is the power of unity? Psalms 133.1 puts it this way. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant. 
What a beautiful place it is when somebody can walk in the room that's maybe never been a part of Portview and just sense unity and love amongst each other. Let me tell you, that doesn't come naturally. That takes work. That takes a lot of work. That means we have to have conversations with each other. We need to be open to each other. And not just here, but beyond here. We need to be people of forgiveness. People who are willing to take responsibility when we've hurt others. And you may be thinking, what's the big deal? So they're offended. Maybe they just need to grow up. No. Take the posture of unity. Two passages I want to read to you that I think, in closing, really grasp us and challenge us in how we live our lives together as the church. 1 John 4.12 puts it this way. No one has ever seen God, but if you love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. If we love each other, people see God in us. Well, like I said, the world's really good at loving each other too. Our love needs to be so extreme, so unifying, so compelling, so different than the world, and so filled with grace that the world looks at us and says, I see God there. Not in the worship, not in the preaching of the word, in the relationships we have with each other, the love that we have with each other, people look at us and they say, there's God there. I don't know what it is, but God's there somehow. Luke 6, 45 puts it this way. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks, but the heart is full of. Maybe, just maybe, the grievances we're dealing with, maybe, just maybe, the offenses that we're giving out are a fact that we're not dealing with something that's going on in our own lives. I started this message talking about the sanctifying power of Jesus Christ in our lives, where he's constantly making us better. But it's very hard for us to be the individual who doesn't offend. It's very hard for us to be the individual who doesn't pick up that grievance and that pain if we're not dealing with our own spiritual condition. We can look the part, but if something's not really being transformed on a regular basis inside of us, it's going to leak out. The pain's going to leak out. The sin's going to leak out. And we're going to hurt each other. Part of the process of not being the offensive person, part of the process of not hurting another person is saying, I need to deal with how my heart really is because it all comes out. You put on the jacket, you put on the skirt, you can grab the thick, big Bible, you can come to church. But if we haven't dealt with something that's going on in here, it's going to come out in our relationships. So, I started out today saying that this is a really safe place. This is a place where you can be yourself. 
And if you can be here today and say, I've not been dealing with things that are going on in here. I have sin. I have hurt. It's been more a part of me than anything else I can really identify. I'm asking you today to leave it in 2021. Let today be a day of forgiveness. Let today be a day where you set it aside. Say, I'm not going to carry this hurt anymore. I'm not going to talk about this, this offense anymore. I'm not going to be the gossip and create the environment that cannot be transformed. I am going to be willing to forgive. I'm going to ask the worship team to come at this time. Would you stand with me? Thank you. I've had a lot of jobs in my life. One summer between my sophomore and junior year of university, I worked in asbestos abatement. Paid pretty good. Asbestos is this uh, insulation that, that's been used historically pre-1972. They put it in a lot of schools, a lot of factories, insulation of pipes, even in tiles or even in shingles on roofs. What, in, what it does, it's a great insulator, but asbestos and its foundational strong source is it looks like it's fibers that are kind of like fiberglass and are tied together. But as it breaks down and as it dries, it breaks apart. You can actually take asbestos in your fingers and you can press it together like this until it just disappears. Well, where did it go? Well, what you've done is you've taken those tiny little needles that are tied together and you've busted them up and busted them up into such a small portion that you can't even see it, but it's in the air. And those needles, when you breathe them in, those needles insert themselves into the wall of your lungs. And when you hear about asbestosis or cancer called by, caused by asbestos, what it is is that needle, the body tries pushing that needle out and it creates scar tissue around it. But that needle doesn't come out. It just gets pushed farther and farther out and it's built up with scar tissue and scar tissue until there's no more room in your lungs at all. There's, you can't take another breath because there's not even any space because those little tiny microscopic needles have caused so much scar damage. There's no health left. That's the power of an offense. It can so find its way. You don't even see it. It subtly finds its way into your life and you adopt it into your identity, into your lungs, into who you are and it just keeps killing killing and killing. I asked at the front end of the service, if you could have that big sigh today, would you like it? Some of you close your eyes on a Sunday morning and you go to take that big sigh before the Lord, but there's that heaviness in just experiencing and still feeling the pain of an offense. What do I do with it, Paul? Give it to Jesus. Forgive. I'm not asking you to forget, and I'm not saying that you don't deserve to have a grievance. 
I'm not saying it wasn't horrible what was done with you. I'm not saying that that thing that was said was, was something you should just forget. The pain is real. The offense is real. The question is, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes right now. As I've been talking about this, your mind might have been drawn immediately to something. I'd like you to take the next few moments and just get alone with God in a room full of people. And take the opportunity to just give it to Jesus. Say, Lord, all my pain, all of my hurt, I don't want it anymore. We are defined as people of grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit that is here and is revealing to our hearts areas in our lives that hurt. Lord, and I pray that the safe place that we have here today is a place where we can both experience your grace, but then offer it to others as well. Lord, there is nothing inside of me that deserved your grace. And there are people that have hurt us that don't deserve ours. Lord, would you walk us through the internal process of forgiveness so that we will have the wisdom, we'll have the wisdom of what to do with them, world but what it means to be in relationship with each other but maybe even what it means to not be in relationship Lord you will guide us in that wisdom as well Lord I pray for freedom today freedom from that pain ask Pastor Mark to just stand up here for a moment. Just come on, stand right up over here. And uh, Suzanne in a moment is going to slip down and stand off to my left. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. 
I'm confident that just in these moments of silence, God has been doing a work in our hearts. But if you today have such a pain in your heart, such an offense in your life that you just don't even know how to deal with it, you just don't even know what to do next, I'm going to be standing up here in the front and Mark and Suzanne are going to be here. I challenge you, don't slip out of these doors without maybe making that next step in dealing with that pain. Maybe that means just sitting at your seat or kneeling at your seat in a quiet place today what the Holy Spirit can do to you is work. Or maybe you just need somebody to talk to, somebody who will never talk to somebody else about it. We'll, we'll be up here. If you just need a place to pray, I mean, if it's only like two seven-inch steps, but I don't know, there's something really special about just coming and kneeling in the front. Just allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. This is who we're supposed to be. Really good at loving each other. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are guiding us in these days. You are walking us through what it means to forgive. Now we pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, Portview. Have a great week. You are dismissed. Please find a place of prayer if need be. God bless.